Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. Well, g'day. My name's Scott. If I haven't met you, I'm the youth pastor here. And uh, I've just returned from a three-week-long holiday, which for uni students is nothing, but for the workers out there is something. And, uh, and it was great. It was wonderful. I really did enjoy it. I basically turned my phone off. Um, the new Do Not Disturb settings in new iOS are amazing. Oh, my goodness. If you haven't figured that out yet, check it out. Uh, I pretty well deleted social media, which is awesome. And I had a few good books that I wanted to get through uh, to, to read. And anyone with young kids, which is like maybe this side of the room, uh, you guys will know that those high hopes of reading books uh, against the ocean breeze uh, for many hours was just totally not possible. I mean, really, I was just building sandcastles, packing up toys, and reading children's books, which I guess I could say I read a few books but not my books, uh, yeah. One book that my daughter, Marley, recently brought out from the cupboard to, to read uh, in our lounge room was a book called Seeds and Trees. Seeds and Trees. And uh, let me give you the synopsis. It's about a prince who gives and gathers seeds from those he encounters. These seeds represent words. And later in life, he discovers that These words have power. Seemingly small like seed, they might grow into large forests, some good trees and some bad trees. Maybe in your own schooling years, you might have heard this phrase or something similar. Sticks and stones may break my bones. Come on, you know this bit. But words will never hurt me. Do you guys know that one? You've heard that before. I really love the intention here. This is a great sort of catchy phrase to help build resilient kids. You know, when you would call those names in the playground and uh, you'd sort of say that back to that person who was being mean. I really do appreciate the intention here, but it's just not true. It's not fully true, is it? At least in my life, I don't know about you. Words can hurt. And they have hurt me, not only hurt me, but they've really set me on course for good and for bad. I remember back to uh, grade seven when I was school captain at Indrapilly State School, and uh, and it was a great year. And towards the end of the year, things sort of laxed off a bit. We were looking towards high school. And I remember in SOS, I didn't quite finish my homework. Uh, I think it was in term three or something. And, uh, And my SOS teacher, I so clearly remember this. She called out publicly in front of the class in a loud voice saying, school captains do their homework. I knew we shouldn't have chosen you. And I was like, man, wow, okay. And I just shrunk in my seat, you know, you know that feeling. Words can hurt. And this moment of public failure and humiliation did sort of set my my direction in some ways. It's marked me. And this is the third of a five-part series as we look at 
faith in action. We're jumping into the book of James, and I love James. It is awesome. It's so practical. I mean, for those of you out there who, who are just better at doing the stuff and, you know, less worried about the theory, James, read James, front to back, cover to cover. It's like the New Testament Proverbs. It's full of wisdom for our lives. And if we could summarize James, like the, the main thing in it is that people of God who believe in Jesus, when we have our faith in action, is evidenced in what we believe, sure. So like the things we know about God and the values that we hold, but really it's about living it out and living it out consistently. Last week we heard about faith and and works. You know, if your faith is alive, then works naturally just flow from your life. Our beliefs, our values in Jesus, they should be integrated into our lives They should look like something as we leave this auditorium tonight and as we go into the week. And so this week, chapter three, we're looking at words. So last week, works, and this week, words. As we learned last week, this is really important to understand. uh, These words that we're speaking, they don't produce salvation. The words that come from our mouth cannot make us at right standing with God. They flow from right standing with God. We can't save ourselves by having nice speech, just the right things to say, you know. Sincere speech. Really, God is a heart reader. He's not a lip reader. We know that. We say that a lot. And uh, it is interesting, though, that we would show how we are saved, the love that we've received, the grace that has been poured out by the way we speak. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. So it's so much more than just saying the right things kind of message. You know what I mean? Like, oh, come on, man. Like, speak the the truth. Like, it's way more than that. And I really hope that you walk away with uh, a little bit more than just that today. James chapter 1, it says, everyone should be quick to listen should be slow to speak and slow to become angry. And so our words should be the words of the wise as we communicate the truth of God in love that would build each other up, that would not tear each other down. So let's jump into today's text. If you have your Bibles, pull out your phone, pull out your Bibles. It's gonna be up on the screen as well, but we're gonna read the whole of chapter three, so, so follow along with me. Verse one to two. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So why does James start with a warning to teachers, teachers of the church, and particularly a warning about their speech in particular? Well, really, this is because teachers are people of influence. Just like my grade seven teacher, you know, influential role model. And I think James is emphasizing in this opening statement that words are not a game. A game to be played around with. Just a a sort of silly thing on the side. Jokes and, and fun times. It's true, but not 
just. They're not just to be taken lightly. These things carry weight. They mean something and they can actually influence a person's course of their life and ultimately their destiny. Have you noticed recently just the, the rise in teachers in our world? Have you noticed like those, those people who are just given their two cents? You know, not the tertiary educated, qualified people, not the professionals at university or school, but you know, the average Aussie, the average blow joke dude who just speaks is the truth, you know, or their truth. Our world is full of, of teachers apparently at the moment because truth in our context, in the West, really lies within you, the individual. It lies within your perspective, your values, what you believe, rather than what we as a group, as a whole, might believe. And so, wow, as communication has advanced through technology and internet, like, Perspectives and teachers are just rising all around the world from different perspectives, aren't they? And this is great in so many ways, but it can be dangerous in others. And so my question to you is this, like what teachers do you have? Who is teaching you? River Life, 5 p.m. service, who's teaching you? Have a think right now. Is it Pastor John, Pastor Joe? You know, is it your life group leader? Is it maybe your, uh, you know, your podcast? Is it your, the book that you're reading? Is it maybe another sermon series that you're listening to in, from another city around the world? You know, all these things are great. I mean, if they can encourage us towards the Word of God and to live out our faith and to share His good news, then tick, like, that's great. But, but do you know them? Do you know those teachers? that you're listening to, that you're ingesting? And maybe more importantly, do they know you? Do they care about you? Do they care about what your university schedule looks like? And so we have a challenge here at the very start of James chapter three. He's encouraging us to listen to the teachings of our church, which is River Life. And particularly like you're a young adult, that means Pastor Nick. Like you need to listen to him. He has his heart towards you guys. He loves you guys and, and really desires that you would grow and flourish. And so you need to listen to him as an example. But really the, the wider River Life community, verse two, it says, able to keep the whole body in check. And so, yeah, maybe it's referring to the individual, but it's also referring to the whole church. This is like a, a church sort of language as he uses the word body, just like Paul would say. And so it's a teacher's job to communicate effectively the word of God, and it's your job, the congregation, to receive it, but to challenge it, but also to now live it out in your life. And that's why James is starting the chapter this way. Because teachers have influence and the words that they speak have influence. And so which truth are we listening to? And teachers, if you're a teacher out there, uh, what are you teaching? 
Like that's a challenge for you guys as well. If you're a life group leader or a youth leader or you know, maybe a, a teacher in another space, what, teach, uh, what truth are you teaching? Okay, so let's continue to read on in just a moment. But verse three to six, it talks uh, through some illustrations. And I love this. This is so practical. This is awesome. Uh, it's just like Jesus as he talks about the kingdom of heaven. That is, you know, it looks like this and this and this and it acts like this. And uh, James uses very uh, sort of practical illustrations and analogies uh, that we're going to jump into, which is so helpful for us. It makes it like readable for the most illiterate person. And this is awesome. Just the audience that he was sharing with. Let's keep reading. Verse 3 to 8 says, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. And likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body but makes great boasts. Consider what great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire. A world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body and sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it itself is set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals and birds and reptiles and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. First, he mentions bits in the mouths of horses. Any horse riders out there, you know what that is. Uh, Any sailors out there, you know what a rudder is, but maybe everyone else knows what that is. And of course, we know what a spark is, right, that would set a whole forest on fire. Uh, And the the, the power behind each of these. So a, a bit, a rudder, and a spark. And each of these represent how a small object, a very small thing might have the ability to control a larger object, just like a rudder with a large vessel. But more than just control, more than just, you know, just just control as a pilot would in a ship, This is really about a destination that that ship is going on, a destination for which the rider is on top of the horse, you know, pointing this direction. And so too, the tongue has the power to set someone's life and to control someone's life, but also to point them in the right or the wrong direction. So we've got to be careful with our words. We've got to choose the right words for they're powerful and just like a bit, just like a rudder and a small spark. And so three awesome, easy analogies I hope for you guys to, to I guess, digest and, and think through. And then three more he uses. Fire, evil, and poison. These uncontrolled powers that can cause all sorts of destruction. James uses these illustrations that we even are familiar with. Think about a few years ago, the the bushfires all across Australia, like the absolute power 
that was uncontrollably thrown around the bush that we have here in Australia. No matter how many firemen and women we sent, it seemed like we were unable to contain it. There's so much power in these fires. And so I I guess the words might be destructive, yes, but they also could be used for good, if you think about it. Good things also spread sort of like fire. Think about this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Uh, But the Word was spoken forth, God speaking the whole universe into being. That is a powerful word, right? That would bring literal life to the universe. Or what about the, the good news that was spread through, through words, through messengers, all throughout the Mediterranean in the years preceding, oh, sorry, after Jesus' um, ascension? What about a testimony of a healing, like a physical or spiritual healing? You know, I am shocked that pretty well every youth post-meeting on Friday night, one of our youth leaders would just say, oh yeah, we prayed for healing, someone was healed. And I just lost track of the amount of youth that were healed physically this year, or last year, wow, Uh, 2021. I was just blown away. But how encouraging that is to my faith and to one another's faith as a testimony is shared. Or again, this is true of my life and I wonder yours, if, if someone has spoken a prophetic word over you that would call you into a gift of God and that might even lead you towards, you know, your purpose and your call, maybe a destiny that God has for you. Proverbs says this in chapter 12, 18, that a spiritual tongue is medicine that can heal. So I hope you're picking this up, that the words we speak can cause immeasurable harm and immeasurable healing, damage, and destiny. And just like ferocious beasts that have been tamed, you know, things that, that are like tigers and bears and like all these things that could be tamed by humankind, the tongue, James says, cannot be tamed. No one, he says, can tame their own tongue. So if that's true, if James is, is correct in saying that, which I, I would say that he is because he's in the Bible, um, and so that's just how good God's Word is for you. If no one can tame the tongue, what hope do we have? Why am I even preaching this message if we can't do it? Why, where are we at? Like, what's the point in all this? Well, perhaps you can read between the lines, but, but really... If we're to have a transformed heart, that we would be open to the grace of God. And by the way, the grace of God is seen in the life of Jesus as He gave His his whole being, body, mind, soul, spirit, to us to live a perfect life that was really what we should have been doing. And then He died a death that we then deserved for we had sinned and fallen short of the glory. 
And so he died a death on the cross that we deserved. And then three days later, rose from the grave, defeating sin and death forevermore, reigning victorious as the king over the whole universe. And then going on to pour out his spirit, the spirit of Jesus on the day of Pentecost so that the church would be born, so that the good news would spread. And this is the grace of God that our sin might be atoned for and that we might live lives empowered by Him. Paul would say that we would walk in step with the Spirit, that we would walk in the Spirit and with the Spirit. And one of the fruits of the Spirit, if you can remember your kids' church song or if you've read Galatians, is self-control, gentleness and self-control. Last on the list, but not least in importance, self-control. And so to have self-control over your tongue is to tame the tongue. Now, just, just to really make this very clear, these are fruits of the what? Fruits of the Spirit, fruits of the Spirit. In other words, these will not be able to be worked up these will not be able to be, you know, just like, oh, I'm gonna try harder at taming my tongue. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it all that I can to just make sure I'm a good person. These come from intimacy with the Father. These come as fruit of the Spirit of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. Often we think power of the Holy Spirit is like, intensity and, and healing to bodies and, you know, just like falling on the floor. And it is that, yes, absolutely. But it's also having self-control that you would be able to hold your tongue as empowered by Him, as empowered the power of God. James 3 goes on, verse 9 to 12, it says this, "'With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father.'" And with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water come from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear an olive or can a grape vine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. In these remaining verses, James talks about this inconsistency in how we use our words. And it leaves the readers, it leaves you and me with this taste of brine in our mouths, like that, that salty, dry, like, Oh, like that, that taste after you've been swimming for like way too long, you know, like in the ocean, like it's like, whoa, that is, I need a, I need a fresh drink, like water, come on. Or like you've had way too many like salt and vinegar chips. You know that feeling? You know that feeling where you're like, whoa, I just need some water. That's what I get when I read this passage. You know, it says this, that we praise our Lord and Father and then we curse men. We curse humankind with the same tongue. We come in and we praise the Lord. 
We worship Him just as we did. Or maybe in your bedrooms at home or, or maybe you know, just on your way to work as you're listening to, to worship music. We praise the Lord, we thank Him for all He's done. We're so grateful for the mercy we've received and the grace that we are to live by. So good, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that that you've done all those things in my life. And yet the next minute, we go to curse people. We speak lies over people. We gossip behind people's back. And James here is so clear. And he says, this shouldn't be. This cannot be. Not just because it makes no sense, but listen to this to go a little bit deeper. If every person we see in our world has been made in the image of God, because that's what it is, and I'm not talking about white skin here, I'm talking about every person has been made in the image of Jesus from all races, from all ages, across all parts of this world, are made in Christ's image. Then if one word we speak falsely about that person, It is as if we are saying it about God. And that, my brothers and sisters, should not be. Can't be. I mean, it's it's bad enough to do it to a, a brother or sister, but let alone to God Himself, the creation that He so deeply loves and died and came to save, can't be. And so in this part of scripture, it is just reading us. Don't you feel that? It is just searching our hearts, just like a a double-edged sword, piercing our deepest bone and marrow, searching for what is truly under the surface of our lives. And you don't get this with a spring. You don't get this as fresh and salt water coming from the same place. You can't get completely different fruit from a particular plant. It's the same one. And Paul would simply summarize that by saying, the flesh and the spirit are at war. At war with each other. And this is just as true in my life, if I can be honest, as it might be in yours. I mean, in the weeks, you know, leading up to Christmas, and then even in the last week, as I prepare for this message, I get into this judgmental state of mind, saying things like, How can they do that? How can that person still be like that? Oh. And I caught myself just saying, oh, I'm actually cursing that person by having that thought in my heart and speaking it out. And so I'm still working on this as well, guys. But the text here is clear that we cannot be doing both. It's not possible. And what is possible is that by the help of the Holy Spirit, we might be able to tame our tongue, that we might be able to have self-control. We need the Holy Spirit in a daily, in a moment-by-moment sort of relationship and connection with Him, 
reminding us of the mercy that we've received, reminding us that all humankind are made in his image, that Jesus didn't die for the godly, us here in this church, but in fact, Jesus died for all the world, that all the world might come to know him. And this is why James sort of calls for wisdom at the end. Knowing that it is God that supernaturally empowers us to bring change. And so it finishes by saying, wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace loving, gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It's full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds that will reap a harvest of righteousness. Wisdom and maturity show themselves in speech. We are responsible for the destructive talk that comes out of our mouths. And yet wisdom helps us in this. It can help control our tongues. And so we need to accept God's wisdom to alter our lives, to alter our speech. Words, when controlled, when empowered by God and His Spirit, should convey humility, should convey peace, should convey wisdom to not only our own lives and to those around us, but to our world. And wow, more than ever, doesn't the world need this? Doesn't the world just need a peaceful presence that one day might reap a harvest of righteousness? So if you wanna know how to live out your faith, remember this whole series is faith in action. James is incredibly practical. And so if you wanna know about how to live out your faith this year, the start of 2022, you're like, man, which ministry should I serve in? Well, yeah, there are some awesome opportunities to jump into some, some ministries to, to serve this year. And yes, we will be running church, by the way, just, just in case you're un, unsure. Yeah, we will <laughs> go on. You know, maybe uh, you're not sure about which course to enroll in. Well, transforming and engaging are a great start, so do that. But maybe you're not sure about, man, where do I start with my faith this year? I would encourage you, Start with your speech. Start with your tongue. Start with your words. And I know that that seems a little bit small, maybe a little bit like, oh, yeah, that's kind of lame. Start with your words. But that's the exact point. That is the exact point of this entire chapter, is that your words might be able to set someone on course for life that your words have the power to destroy someone's life, that they might be able to bring lies, they might be able to really steal some truth from people. And so how do you do this? How do you live it out? If you're keen to to jump into this, well, there's seven things I just wanna practically help you with. Firstly and foremost, this is so important, is to worship God. Worship God. This is our primary and our main focus as believers, to glorify God and to enjoy Him. That's what we're made to do. 
Worship precedes witness. We need to share our faith. We have been called, but worship of God comes before that. And so we need to worship Him. We come in to go out. This is our starting point. This is our end point as well. Secondly, we have to be a bit more intentional, I think. I think we have to really just be aware, be intentional with our words, with our time as well. Being slow to speak, being quick to listen, both to believers and to the world that we live in. Thirdly, we should check that we know the truth. We should really just do a little check over what we believe, our values. We should check that our own lives, with the help of the Holy Spirit, that we might be living in accordance to the truth, that we are listening to God and following Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and life. Fourthly, this one's really hard, actually, so, so just... Just try this out. Fourthly, for those of you who are keen, you know, maybe not everyone, but fourthly, you should ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness where you've spoken poorly over someone, where you've wrongly spoken about an individual, about the church, about God himself. A few years ago, God just stopped me in my tracks. I was driving from the Gold Coast into the Brisbane city and uh, you come down the Riverside Expressway and uh, the, the city is sort of on one side and I was just minding my own business and God just pulled my heart and just put it towards the city. And I remember so clearly just being like, whoa, and I felt him say, turn your heart towards the city. Turn your heart towards the city. For so many years, I was sort of grumbling in my young adult years, just like, oh, Brisbane sucks. The Brisbane River so brown. Oh my goodness, um, there's nothing here. There's, there's no fun. Like, what is going on? I just want to escape. And God said, turn your heart towards the city. And so I did. But in that moment, I had to ask for forgiveness. Because for a few years, I was speaking trash about the city that he loves, that he came to save. So maybe you need to ask for forgiveness. Fifthly, it means calling out the gifts of God, the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the body of Christ. And that's not just from stage, like that is in your life groups, in your friendship groups, the gifts of the Holy Spirit that have been given to the church. You know, there are so many lists in the New Testament and, uh, you know, you could probably read into the Old Testament as well, of gifts that God has given each and every one of us, literally each and every one of us. There's no one who misses out here. And uh, it's a responsibility on us as the church to call each other's gifts out. And so I'd encourage you to do that. Sixth, this one's also really hard. But as we look at James and as we then apply it to our lives, it means rebuking in love. Rebuking in love. When you hear another believer gossiping or when they are living a life that is maybe not holy, that you might think they ought to be living holy life. Maybe they're speaking poorly about someone who's made in the image of Jesus. If you have relationship with that person, I'd really encourage you to speak out to in love, 
Call them up. Encourage you to bring peace in that moment. And again, that's really hard and, and there's help with that. If you want specific help on that, read Matthew 18. And finally, think and speak about God. Think and speak about God. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's from Philippians. Think about the love of God, that He has really given you so many blessings. And if we're talking about blessings that bring forth life, and if we're talking about curses that bring forth death, then Jesus has spoken life over you. Like read Ephesians, read Ephesians chapter one, you'll be blown away, I cannot comprehend. We are seated in heavenly places. What? We are co-heirs with Christ. Wow. (laughs) We've been, sure, made in His image, but we are predestined to be transformed, conformed into His image more and more. Think about these things. And you know, I often come to that verse in Philippians and think, oh man, it's just positive psychology. It's just trying to train my mind to think the right things so that my life might be different. But I'm convinced this is not positive psychology. This is not some prosperity gospel. This is the good news, that Jesus really loves you, that He really cares for you, that He really died for you and has a future for you, a destiny over your life that you might be able to step into. I'm so sure of this. You've been blessed by loving God. Life has been spoken over you. So let's commit to following Him, following Jesus, thinking about His goodness, thinking about His love as much as we can, speaking about God. So finally, faith is evidenced in living a life where our beliefs and our values in Jesus are lived out consistently in our lives. Not just a little moment here, but for maybe even the entire of this year. Imagine that. I was talking to someone in the, in the foyer this morning and uh, never met him, great guy. And he was just saying like, he had to stop one, one moment just to, just to hold his tongue. And I was like, oh great, that's literally self-control. He's like, yeah. And then I was just thinking, man, wouldn't it be amazing if we actually did that? Wouldn't this community of believers be transformed? If we just, every time we went to curse, every time we went to gossip, every time we went to speak a lie, maybe unknowingly over someone or ourselves, we stopped and asked God, man, what do you say? What are you saying right now? So let's ask God to help us to heal our hearts from a place of transformed hearts, our speech will follow. That's the truth of this passage. Right, two questions for everyone in the room. Some people might only get through one and that is okay. 
that's fine. Some of you might even just be thinking about this one question all week, and that's fine as well. Firstly, what lies have been spoken over you? Just finished an epic book called Live No Lies, and it just blew my mind away. But one of the things that he was, he was saying, the author, he was saying that one of the main weapons of the enemy in our Western world are lies. And I tend to agree with him. And, uh, and so this first question is, what lies are you believing? What lies have been spoken over you? And if they are lies, because we know God is uh, not a liar, in fact, the devil is the father of lies, then I don't think we should agree with the devil. I don't think we should agree with what he has to say, but rather about what the father has to say, who's the father of lies. And so those lies about, you know, you're never gonna make it, you're never gonna amount to something, you're way too this, you're way too that, you're too tall, you're too short, you're too loud, you should speak up more. You're a failure, you will never make it. You shouldn't have been school captain. Those lies spoken over you, have a think about those things. I really believe that God's gonna bring some clarity in this moment, in the service tonight. And then, uh, you know, real simply just ask, God, what is the truth that you are speaking? What's the truth? Okay, and secondly, uh, again, this, you may not get to this, but I really encourage you to think through this question. What words have you spoken over others that are lies, that have brought destruction or have brought damage, that might even set their life on fire like a forest? What words have you spoken over others that are not true? And if anything comes to mind, any person, any face, any particular moment, ask for forgiveness. Okay, firstly, what lies have been spoken of you? And secondly, what lies maybe have you spoken over someone else? And then ask for forgiveness. Get you guys to stand up and let's, let's respond and let's pray together. God, thank you so much for the power of words. God, that you, for some reason, would use our mouths and our tongues and our words to bring forth life, to bring forth the truth. Lord, to share your good news with the world. Lord, I thank you so much that you've given us, that you've pulled us in to your story, that you really want us to be on display to this world. Lord, thank you that words can bring life, can bring healing, can bring beautiful things to this world. And so I pray, Lord, you would help us to speak the truth, Lord, to speak it in love. God, that we might be able to praise you moment by moment each day. And Lord God, where we have spoken curses, where we have spoken lies over people who are made in your image, right now we stop and we ask for forgiveness. God, where maybe we haven't been self-controlled, we're asking right now, tonight, that you would control us, that you would help us in this, 
Lord, you help us to tame our tongues, knowing that it's impossible by ourselves, but it is possible with you. So help us, Lord. Help us in this area, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And God, I even pray that you would just prompt us as a church, Lord, if there's a gift over the person next to us <laughs> or maybe uh, someone that we know, Lord, I pray you would just encourage us to, to share that this week. Maybe it's just to send a message right now and uh, to call that out and to bring that forward. Lord, that's, that people might be set on course towards their destiny. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us this week as we speak your truth. We pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.